Hello, and welcome to the Inspired Minds Podcast yet again. My name is Jeff Watson, and I am your gracious and grateful host. Why am I grateful? I am grateful because I get to do this. I get to speak to incredible people. I continue to learn so goddamn much from these people. It is an absolute honor for me to do it, and it is an absolute honor for me who ever is listening to this show, I maybe it's just one of you out there. Well, it's a little more than that. But I'm very grateful to anybody that has any loyalty to this show. And oh, loyalty. Wait a minute. Like I, what if I did a loyalty rewards program? Yeah, like uh, like Hilton or like Subway. Subway does it really well because you got those cards, right? And there's like eight squares on it. And you can like stamp when you get a sandwich. And by the eight sandwich, you get a free sandwich. So we can do the same thing. I'll mail out cards. That's it. I'll mail out cards to all of you. You can stamp them. And by the eighth one, you get a free show. How's that? So if you have indeed been a loyal listener, you will know that I like to do something called the international high five section, a really quick bit that calls out one of the countries that is apparently listening to the sound of my voice, and I'll play the national anthem, and I will talk about some crazy facts about your country. So, as always, here it comes. The national anthem is uh, La Marseille, which everybody knows the melody. Not a lot of people know that the lyrics are incredibly bloody, (laughs) really violent lyrics, like, uh, let an impure blood water our furrows. How about that? Wow, the French, man. Kind of crazy stuff. Here we go. Always starts off with horns. Every national anthem starts off with horns. And we're off. Kind of like a Dolly Parton France thing going on. So, France. Let's find some fun facts about you. Turns out that French toast actually isn't French. Turns out it was a man named Joseph French. And he was an innkeeper in New York. And apparently he forgot the apostrophe when he was penning his creation and French's toast simply became French toast. We've been lied to this whole time. It is illegal to throw out edible food in France. It has to be donated or it has to be given away to the homeless. I love that idea. Absolutely wonderful. And my favorite little bit of information is the public screening. The very first public screening of a movie was by the French Lumiere in 1895. And it was called Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory. It was a five-second-long black-and-white film which simply showed workers leaving the factory. And the entire audience was completely blown away. Oh, and one last one. French eggs are brown, not white. Why? The breed of said chicken. French chicken. There you go. And sorry, France, your bloody song is over because I'm now going to introduce a woman named Mercedes de la Cruz, the next interviewee, the next guest on the Inspired Minds podcast. Incredible woman. Abs, fearless woman. This absolutely fearless. She's an actress. She has, uh, first, she had a successful modeling career. And she's done shows like Bates Motel and just all kinds of shows. And she recently wrapped filming the co-lead in this movie called Because You're Dead to Me. And she's been in a film called The Machine. And she's in some Netflix series called Made. But the thing I like about a lot of these conversations is that they go completely different directions. And we ended up talking about kind of big stuff about like sobriety and spirituality and trauma and 
incredible, incredible conversation I had with Mercedes. So as always, I hope that you like it as much as I did making it because my goodness, I am grateful. Bye. Well, all right. Hello, everyone. Dazzle Throng. Uh, hi, Mercedes. What a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I think we're already going to have. Say hello. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> Can't wait to have this one. So again, thank you so much for doing this. I know that you're in Serbia right now. So oh, I feel oh, like Serbia. already international right now as we speak. <laughs> Amazing. So I wanted, I always start off with the first question, um, kind of a, kind of a thing with this. And that is, what was the first thing that ever inspired you when you were a child? Book, movie, TV show? What do you got? First thing that ever inspired me? Well, you know, I was on stage at a really young age. So about three years old is when I started dancing. And I loved it. Like, there was just... Just something about being on on that stage and the lights and the audience and I kind of I don't know I felt at home, which is a bit weird to say, but um, I just did. I loved performing, and there was these older girls in my dance school that were like so rad. That's what I thought about them for sure. Um, and you know they were just so talented and they had so much energy and super enthusiastic. And I thought, man, I want to be just like them. <laughs> it probably started then. And what about it was it that kind of carried you – how did you take that inspiration forward? Well, I definitely I, – I like a lot of different – I like puzzles in a way. And when you're learning a combination for a dance, um, you know, and you get it, you get it down, there's that – uh, gratifying feeling, right? And so I think I think part of it is that you know the learning process. Also, I love I love to perform. I love to sing. I love to dance. I love to exude life, right? And and I think I think that just that feeling of um, letting that energy out. I think I, I I really strived for it. I think also you know I. I was good. I was a good dancer. And, you know, my, my mom was always very proud of me. <laughs> and, and I think, I think essentially I, I was doing it for her in a way, you know, like I, I did, I, I wanted, I wanted to be an actress and I, you know, I had a burning desire inside to be a movie star, you know, and I was uh. like, um, but I never did. I never went to that because of this feeling of maybe letting my mom down. You know, she, she liked me as this little dancer and I, I think I, I did it a lot longer than I, I would have, I believe I would have, I would have gone to acting a lot sooner had it not been for this desire to want to please. Right. So I'd have to say that, you know, there was, um, a positive and a negative in that, right. The positive was it pushed me. Um, the negative was it pushed me to continue to do something maybe I didn't really um, feel as lit up about, but I, I did. I, I did really enjoy it. Where did that come from? Well, it's. It, I guess it, it came from the same place, right? Um, you know, when I when I started dancing and I got a, a, a taste of being on stage and the lights and the excitement of it, it was actually the performing that I loved. It wasn't so much, you know, the the, the classes and. You know the actual um, uh, 
I'm not going to say craft because I do love the craft, but um, the technical aspect of it, you know, it didn't light me up. Mm-hmm. It was it was that that performance piece. And actually, when I was, I'm going to say 13, I was part of this massive dance school. It's one of the, the longest, largest um, dance companies in Canada. Actually, it's now, I think it's on its fourth generation wow. uh, of its, its a family. It's called the Lecky School of Dance. And they had about a thousand people in, uh, in, in, in the, in the dance school. And one year they had given me a trophy at the end of the year. And this was like, I mean, I felt like the cat's meow, you know, it was (laughs) such an accomplishment, this massive trophy. And they called me on stage and it wasn't for my dancing ability. It said right on it, outstanding performer. (laughs) And I just was like, yep. I'm going in the right direction. That's for sure. What were some of the early actresses or actors that you watched when you were a kid that kind of lit you up? You know, it's, it's it's pretty sad to say. I never really was very good at knowing what people's names were. Uh-huh. Like that didn't, that didn't matter to me. And mm-hmm. so when people would say a movie star's name, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, I just, it, I, it didn't relate. When I was young, really young, I used to watch Full House. Ah. And I thought Candace Cameron was really cool. She was a bit older than me, but Jodie Sweden, she was around the same age as me. Ah. And I was in her fan club and I sent her, <laughs> I sent her like fan mail and stuff. <laughs> um, I also sent fan mail to Oprah. I'm guessing she never responded, did she? Uh, she didn't. And then, you know what? I also am not sure if it got to her. Because uh-huh. I found a, a letter years years later that I had written on like this kitty cat stationery, and it was it was a pitch. I was pitching Oprah about an idea where it was almost like I wanted her to do like a star search, <laughs> but for people in Canada because it was always the U.S. and I didn't live in the U.S. So I was pitching this idea for Canadians, and I had written on it like, you know, can can you? Can you put a show together where you have aspiring models or aspiring actors and, you know, then they get to act and model and, you know, they can get seen by the world and stuff. And I had written it in like really colorful pen and I'd sprayed it with my perfume. When uh, I found this letter. I was just like beaming. It was so sweet. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some inspiration um, in, in my in my younger years, but I, I didn't really I didn't really follow um, specific actors, really. I, you know what? After school, I used to watch Get Smart oh, yeah. with Maxwell Smart, Agent Ninety Nine. <laughs> yeah, I just loved that show. And Barbara Feldon is that her name? That's your name. She played Agent Ninety Nine. Yeah. I was in love with her look. I thought she was just the sweetest thing going. Incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I aspired to be like her. I believe that <laughs> might be the first and. Perhaps last, although hopefully not last time, that Get Smart will ever be referenced on the show. Ah! Well done. Well done. Got Smart. Got the cone of silence. I will say this on a total side note, but part of the reason I love doing these shows is because it reminds me of something that kind of is similar, and that is that when I worked at Warner Brothers Records, which I mentioned, that occasionally we would – well, there was this big room that had all these fan letters that never got to anybody – and there was there was this a bunch of them from prison people in prison who were writing to Van Halen. Oh my gosh! It was incredible to read these letters. You know, they were handwritten and they're like ten pages long and like really detailed on like certain songs. And stuff. Oh wow! 
Do you remember anything like creepy or oh, interesting from any of the letters? There was a um God, I wish this I wish I could show this on the show. There was um a oh, it's impossible to even describe. It, it was essentially like a painting that somebody had made of Madonna for Madonna, but it was absolutely horrific. Oh my gosh. It never went anywhere and it kept getting moved from office to office. I had it for a while and someone moved it in someone else's office. And- <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it still there? Yeah, actually. I haven't worked there in a while, but someone still has it. It's been just passed on for like a, it's like a generational transmission. Like, oh my gosh. That's incredible. An heirloom. But enough about me. Um, so I want to talk to you. Uh, God, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. But, you know, we were talking a second ago, and maybe this is a good way to – oh, I know where I want to go, first of all. Um, sure. So I saw that you were, you're now in the Performers Peer Group of the Academy Awards Television Arts and Sciences. Yeah, that's correct. Emmys, basically. The Academy hey, Awards, yeah. I'm dying to ask you this question because, you know, I know kind of about the industry, but that whole world to me seems like some crazy secret cabal that you guys all meet together in like hoods and candles and stuff. Um, how does that work? Please tell me. Yeah, no, it's nothing like that. Sorry to burst your bubble. It, it's not as interesting as you no, think. I went online and I applied. <laughs> I never met anybody. Somebody did send me an email. <laughs> um, no, it's, you know, they've done a really good job of um, great organization, you know, and when, you know, when, when I did apply, there was, there was prerequisites for sure. You know, you have to have a certain amount of credits within a certain amount of years, um, you know, and a credit would be like on IMDB, right? Those specific credits. I think you have to have like 10 credits within on like film or TV uh, or streaming. Um, I think over a span of four or six years or something like that. Um, and then you send in some other information and they have a, a panel and then they decide whether or not you can be involved or not. And you pay a fee and then you have rights um, to vote on specific things. Uh, there's um, in the in, in the voting process, they send you the different material you can watch. I mean, you can never watch it all. I I voted for a few things that I knew, but I, essentially there's just, there's so many categories and so many things to see that unless you were devoting all your time to it, you really wouldn't be able to, you know? Um, and, and then, yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's other really great um, programs and, seminars and they used to be these in-person things that you'd have to go to, but the beauty of it now is it's all online. So, you know, you could, you could take a a course and it could be on auditioning or it could be a course on uh, screenwriting or, you know, different like masterclasses, things like that. And Mm -hmm. that those are also available to um, the the peer group as well. So, you know, we, we don't meet in a dark dungeon uh, with folks, but uh, we do meet on the dark web, not dark web, (laughs) the internet. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you can attend these classes. I I haven't even really gone through uh, the, the, all the possibilities of it. I only really just applied and um, did some voting and I was up for a nomination uh, in consideration for a nomination last year for something that I did. Right. And um, either than that, I 
I, I haven't really done much with it. So I would like to. I would like to see what else I, I could, you know. I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That answer was not what I was looking for. I'm looking for the cabal. Yeah, I can't help you there. Sorry. Right I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> no goats, no lambs? All right. No, not this year. Damn it. Well, anyway. Um, so the other thing I wanted, I kind of want to go through this too, because I'm really fascinated by this. So I'm really into, or I'm interested in, uh, how different countries handle their film business. Oh yeah. And so yes. I wanted to talk about, uh, Canada, which I know, you know, I, I, I saw this, I know that Canada or at least Vancouver is kind of known as a Hollywood of the North. Yep. Serbia is interesting to me because I did read that you said that there's no agents in her Serbia. So it's all about the hustle even more so. Well, it's changing a little bit now. There is, there's, they have their first agency in all of Serbia. Wow. Um, and it's called Slavic Artists, but they, they're only, they've only been around since, you know, during COVID. So it's, it's brand new. Right. Um, and it is very different. I mean, it, it is about the hustle here. That's the, that is the culture, right? Um, it's all about who you know and who you know, who's you, who else you know of who you know. And, you know, those kinds of relationships and stuff. And so for the longest time, it was just the same people over and over and over getting cast by their friends or, you know, someone would know like, oh, they play that role really well. Let's just get that person. So I think it, it wasn't so good for the the industry itself or the like the people within it um, who were newbies, right? Uh, but that's starting to change now because there's so many benefits to filming in Serbia. I, I, I did come from Vancouver, which is fantastic. It's great. It is Hollywood North. You know, it has, they have the same production value as LA, right? And a lot of those shows, those um, American TV series uh, and movies are, they, they, they come to Vancouver to film because they have everything down, you know, and it's cheaper and they get a tax credit and da, 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 da. There's all that. But Serbia is one step above that even because the tax credit is higher the labor is way, 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 way less. And there's no red tape to get through. Like if you're trying to get a location and, you know, if in, in Canada or the U.S., it would be like, oh, you have to get this permit and that permit. And you can only do it from like 9 to 9.30 and you have to get cops on, you know, here it's like, you want this place? Sure. <laughs> like maybe you got to pay a guy off like a couple bucks or something, like, but it's nothing. So th- there is definitely that benefit to it. And the unfortunately, the actors get paid a lot less here as well. I mean, I think the average income in Serbia is about 500 euros a month. Wow. And I'm not talking about actors. Those are, that would be yeah. like, you know, the, the, like the locals. Sure. That's what they would average get paid. Like a surgeon, I think gets paid $1,000 a month. Euros. Euros a month. Wow. Um, and so actors pay day rates are way lower than you would see in North America, hmm. but it's, it's a lot compared to what the average income is, <laughs> you know? So it's relative. It's absolutely uh, relative. And then the locations are gorgeous. I mean, Serbia itself uh, has so many mountainous ranges and lots of beautiful water and things like that, but there's old ruins. And then there's like the communist era and all those ugly buildings. Right. And then there's the new stuff too. So you can, you can film like, massive variety a lot of shots right yeah yeah um so do they film english-speaking movies in serbia yeah actually i filmed uh, a legendary pictures movie last summer called the machine and that was burt kreischer's movie he's a stand-up comedian from the u.s um 
And sadly, right now, the release is on hold because it's about Russia. <laughs> it's about uh, Russian gangsters and stuff like that. So the U.S. is a little bit like, mm, not we're not going to release this right now. This isn't really an appropriate time. Uh, so, yeah, so we're waiting on that, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's such a hilarious movie. We had such a great time filming it. But not only that, there's been many others. We did Knives Out 2 here last summer as well. There's been a couple of uh, horrors. That were done. Horrors, I said. Right. Horrors. Right. horrors not, not horrors. Also, there is a new TV series here called The Ark. And that is Universal um, production mixed with Volcanic is their um, production company here. And that's a new sci-fi series that's getting filmed here. Also, The Outpost was, fil- was filmed in Serbia. Really? There's, yeah, there's tons of production. And this new Ark one, it's... I have some inside scoops about it, and it's incredible what's happening with um, the cast and the writing, and it's going to be a big hit. Wow. That sounds fantastic. So I want to move on, if you don't mind. Let's let's fly all the way back to California uh, for me. Uh, Mm. That was a terrible transition. I got to get better at that. Um, <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'm following you. Let, let's, let, yes, let's move. <laughs> I need a better host. I, just, yeah. I need a better host. Um, Segway, so, segue, please. <laughs> it's terrible. I suck at this. So I did want to talk to you about this. Now, we had discussed before we started recording about mm-hmm. how um, I feel, and many do, that art is healing. Not a, mm-hmm. not a very uncommon concept. Mm-hmm. But there was something that was actually kind of stood out for me in some of the stuff I had read uh, that you had said. If you kind of don't want to go here, it's totally fine. You mentioned it in an interview, but you had something really interesting I want to hone in on. You said that it's about your spiritual pursuit. And a lot of this show is kind of about that. I mean, it's a lot of jokes about Stephen, you know, Stanley Kubrick and all nonsense. But you said this. You said that you were uh, in a really dark place in your life, mm-hmm. uh, where you felt like you couldn't really go on, and it was either that you would die of misery or kill yourself. However, mm-hmm. there was a small part inside me that told me I was meant for greatness. Mm-hmm. Would you mind pulling on that thread a little more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's no topic that I won't talk about. So <laughs> I, have, I, I love talking about this, actually, because I think it's these kinds of conversations that inspire um, other people to maybe search for a little bit of hope, a little bit of gleam, you know, in, in, in their lives, which is like that gleam that I felt. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think going back to what we were talking about earlier about dancing and, you know, wanting to please my mom and um, be a, a, be the best, the, the best little dancer there could be, there was always this feeling of, I guess, fear of rejection, you know, fear of abandonment, fear that if I wasn't perfect or if I didn't, if, if I wasn't special, then they would leave me, you know, and I had, and my dad left when I was really young Mm. uh, and I had an awesome father that raised me, you know, he's been around since I was about six months old and I love him to pieces. Larry O'Hara, if you're out there listening, you are the bomb. (laughs) Um, And my mom is too, Star, you're, you're amazing too. But, you know, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves the opportunity to mourn those things. Like I, I just sort of painted over it. I was like, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter that my dad left because I had this great dad. But really there's like this three-year-old inside that's like, I must not matter. I must not mean anything because yep. if I did, they wouldn't have left. And I think 
years and years and years of stuffing that and just trying to be the best little me and never really acknowledging her, you know, that little three-year-old inside, it got so big and so challenging. And the, 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 the coping mechanism that I used to numb was alcohol and drugs. There you, go. you know, it was, it was easy. It was there. My whole family drinks. I was, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, you know, country girl, like yeah. what else is there to do, but drink and party, you know? Sure. And I worked, I worked in the service industry and I was managing bars and restaurants and, you know, all really? that stuff was around. And then with acting and modeling and I was traveling the world and yeah. like the lifestyle was like pretty conducive to me being an alcoholic drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for myself, it was, it was fun in the beginning until it wasn't fun anymore. And, um, and then of all the numbing had to come to a big halt because like I had said in that other interview, I was miserable. Like I really thought that I was going to die. Like I just couldn't even go on with the pain I was feeling. And I was, you know, I was self-medicating, but not only that, the, the, the guilt that I had around the self-medicating is what was killing me. Mm. You know, I was just compounding it and I felt disgusting and, you know, worthless. And basically I felt like a worthless piece of shit that didn't deserve to live. That's a terrible place to be. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, there was this spark though. And I was like, man, this isn't life. You know, there's something's missing here. And I had these little dreams from when I was a kid that I was going to be this movie star. You know, I had dreams of like helping people. And, you know, I was always trying to help people because that was the people pleaser in me. But um, I, I didn't quite realize that I needed to help me first. You know, right. it was a sort of a deflection. I must say that going back to your original topic on this is acting actually saved me in a way, you know, I mean, yes, I did a lot of work outside of acting, but the, the kind of introspection that we do and, or that I do anyway, when it comes to acting, the, all the prep work and all the uh, voice work and all the uh, belief work and all the body work and figuring out what what belief is driving this person. And then, you know, every every time I get a role, I can sympathize. I can empathize with whatever character this is. This might be a murderer. And I'm like, I get you. I never thought about that. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, and there's healing in every role that I do. And when I say that I can empathize with the murderer, I obviously I haven't murdered anybody. (laughs) Are you sure? Yeah. Well, like ants, for yeah, sure. Okay. Mosquitoes. I'm quite the mosquito killer. I'm so sorry. Peta, okay. like, please okay. don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is like all of those actions, those things that people are doing, the behavior is, is only driven by the underlying belief. And so when I'm doing character development and, you know, I'm looking at um, this role, I'm like, well, what would make her do that? And like, I know what would make you do that. Cause I know what made me do things that I thought I would never do. Right. And this whole thing about like feeling like your survival is being threatened and your survival is being threatened. If nobody wants you, nobody loves you, you're going to die. Right. Yeah. So yeah, acting has always been perfect for me in that sense. And when I'm not acting, I took some time off acting actually. And I actually I quit my job. I quit my relationship. I quit working out. I quit I quit going out. I quit I quit all this stuff. I wanted to feel every emotion, which I'm not necessarily saying that this is the way to go about it, but I was like determined to right. get to the bottom of all of my pain and suffering. And I did, you know, I mean I I I I found out what was I guess holding me back and I changed old beliefs and old patterns and things like that. And 
now I think where I'm at is the biggest thing is just, I have to follow my joy. Right. And even in acting, that's joyful for me, not dampening my sparkle. And I, for a long time, I dampened my sparkle thinking I was too much or it's too much, or they won't accept me if I'm just the way I am. And now I'm just like free and loose and, you know, I do whatever I, I want in a scene and I try all of these interesting and crazy things and no holes barred. And it's like that feeling of being self-expressed, yeah. you know, and that you, you talked about being a musician, like you're just alive when you're doing it. I will so. actually say this, that, and I often say this, uh, it, it's true for me, and I think it's true for a lot of artists as well, is that art is a ladder to God, mm-hmm. right? And th- there are those who know it, and those are the artists, and and if you're, sometimes it's like a curse to be an artist, I think, but it's that connection. Uh, uh, Keith Richards once said this, he said that in order, someone asked him, they said, you know, how do you write songs? And he said, you have to be a lightning rod, because the songs are already out there, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're in tune enough, he didn't quite say, of course, he was like, I don't know, fucking, but. Yeah, you're paraphrasing, but yeah. <laughs> English. But um, that's what he said, right? You have to be a lightning rod in order to, to catch the story, to catch the song, to catch the painting, to catch the muse. Yeah, you got to be in the present moment. You got to exactly. be in the flow. And that's what makes a good scene. And that's what makes a good song. And that's what makes a good experience. Right. I will say going backwards just for a heartbeat. Um, thanks for talking about that stuff because that's, that's my story when it comes mm-hmm. to the, uh, the alcohol, not so much the drugs, but the alcohol stuff it was exactly my story, right? Mm-hmm. Covering up, uh, you know, some, some trauma in the background trauma. Um, I, I, I walked through a suicide kind of about 10 years ago. It was monstrous, uh, not my own, obviously, but I leaned on connection. And, 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 and I think this is where art really does its job. Because in my opinion, we are in a pandemic of disconnection. I've been saying this for like Mm -hmm. two years. And it's getting worse, obviously, in terms of this disconnection. And art is a great way to connect. I heard somebody say this on a previous interview. They said that the shortest distance between two people is a story. Mm, And you can connect that way, be it through a film, music, book, uh, poem, saying hi to somebody behind a counter at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, but um, I have other things to discuss with you. Well, one other thing I wanted to tap tap on that is I think the biggest, this pandemic of being disconnected is it's the disconnection from self. Yes. Really. You know, when I'm disconnected from self, I'm not connected to anybody else either. And that's, that's, you know, what happens with the screens and that's what happens with being in our own minds and trying to do everything we can to like look good on the outside without actually like having the substance inside. And um, I think, you know, we're finally starting to see that and having these conversations is helping us get out of that. I hope. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I did want to read you actually one quote that I put great conversation. This is, I, I want to read you one quote that I think you're going to like. It's uh, from this rabbi. I forgot his name. It's, it's, it's this, it says, our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually to be spiritual is to be amazed. That's it. That's it. absolutely magical. Um, well, and that's again being in the present moment, right? Like when I'm when I'm in gratitude and I'm just grateful for everything that I have right here, right now. I'm not worried about the past or freaking out about the future. Simple. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing I did want to talk to you about. So, kind of kind of moving forward, I saw that uh, I know you have some stuff coming up. Correct? Made Netflix. 
Oh yeah, that stuff's done. Um, and you know what's funny about my, about that? I um, <laughs> this is what happens when you're an actor. You don't know how it's going to end up. You know, you get the role, you get the sides, you work on the character, you do all the stuff. They film it, and then there's something called editing. and you never really know what's going to happen and so with made that was funny um i was pretty stoked about that um you know working with john wells and i i liked i really liked the show and uh when that episode came out all you end up seeing well you see me from a distance then you see my back we take my shirt off because we're you know going to make out and i i then you see my hand as we're walking into the bedroom, <laughs> all the dialogues cut like the whole yeah, it's so funny. So uh, so that was lackluster for sure. Um, yeah. So the what I'm actually waiting for a couple of things that are um, waiting to come out is like I said, the machine, uh, which yep. is going to be a hilarious movie whenever we're safe to talk about Russia again. Yep. And I I'm actually in a TV series in Serbia. And in English, it's called "Mum and Dad Are Playing War," and it's uh, it's it's a it's a really awesome like dry humor, kind of like The Office, but about a family. And the lead is an is an actor. Wow, he's an actor, but he plays an actor. And I'm I, I play this producer from Netflix from Los Angeles. Ah. So my character speaks English, but there's only one other character on the show that speaks English. Everybody else is Serbian. So it's it was like. Filming that was a riot because I didn't know they would say their lines in Serbian and then I'm supposed to respond in English. And I'm like, I don't even know what line they're on. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a bit challenging um, in certain ways. Do you want to finish the sentence? Is that what you have to do to know? Well, I well, I, I sort of just remembered, you know, which of my lines comes after which one. Right. And I, you know, I, I don't really speak Serbian, like, at all. You know, I know about 100 words, but I don't put them all together yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not quite at that place where I'm learning the language. Sure. So it, within, like, a little monologue, I might catch a couple things where I'm like, oh, he's saying that. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, did a, I just did an audition last week. For something that is in a, is a Serbian show, and it's actually it's a, it's going to be it's a Serbian and Australian production called Once Upon a Time in Serbia. Oh, and they had me audition for this role that they wanted me to do, and they asked me if I could do a Russian accent, and I said yes, of course. So I, I do the Russian accent, and it was it was cute, and they, and they liked it, and I said okay, so can you do it in Serbian? And I'm like, well, I mean, I could, <laughs> but. Like, I'm not Serbian, you know, like, no matter how hard I would try to sound Serbian, I just wouldn't sound Serbian, you know, like their accent is so specific. And yes, I'm not saying that if I, if I had time and I worked with the dialect coach and I worked really long and hard, I could probably do it very well. But we're talking like this is filming this month, you know? And so anyway, they, they're like, just try, just, you know, we'll send you some, some sides and you just, just give it a shot. And so they sent over the sides and. I sat down with it and it, it told me in English what it says and it told me in Serbian what it says. And I worked with a friend who speaks Serbian and he's also an actor. And so he helped me sort of get this these words working in my mouth. And uh, I, I did the audition. <laughs> it was actually not bad. Like it, it was pretty good. I, def- I didn't sound Serbian. I sounded like a foreigner for sure. Okay. But they, they ended up rewriting the role for me. They really wanted to have me in the show. So they, they did, they changed the role to 
uh, an American girl. <laughs> and so I would be speaking with an American accent and I would put in a few Serbian words here and there just to make it easier on me. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That's, so we'll try that. That's You know, I just realized something actually of the 24, Five episodes, I think I've recorded so far. I think we've got like 16 up now and we're just doing, I say we, cause me and my friend put this together, but I've never had an actress before actor yet. So congratulations, oh. you're the first, which Amazing. made me, re- I just realized something and I want you to kind of pull on this a bit because you said earlier that I, I caught this. You said that, uh, there's a, you, you differentiated between the craft and the technique and I thought they were the same. Did I get that wrong? Did you say that? I, I was talking about dancing at that time. Oh. And dancing as, a, as a, the, the craft and then the technique of dancing, right? And and also, I mean, I guess the same thing could go for acting as well. You have a specific technique that you might do and acting that would be under the acting umbrella craft, right? So, yeah. so they would be separate or could be separate. You know, you could define them that way. Yeah. Again, I I have no idea about any of this stuff, so that's why part, mm. part of the reason I do this show, quite frankly, is because I get to learn about stuff I don't know, so it's cool. But I want to go backwards for a heartbeat again, and that is mm-hmm. because there was something I also read. This is kind of going back to the spirituality stuff, and it really stuck out with me. Was you had said that my past trauma is my past truth. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Did I say this in an interview? I think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you may have. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting only because, and I think this may resonate with you as well, is that I was thinking a while ago, I thought, am I the sum total of my traumas? And mm-hmm. I didn't like that necessarily for some reason. It didn't like stick with me. And then about mm-hmm. a week later, I realized that I'm the sum total of the recovery from my traumas because I've learned out of them. Right. So when you yeah. said my past trauma is my past truth, I thought that was kind of interesting. It's almost the same concept, maybe. I don't know. Well, I think what I was going for there, and I don't know exactly where I said it, but it sounds great. Um, <laughs> so, of course, I like it. But, no, I I think where I currently am is how I see the world. So, you know, if if I was, let's say, under a belief of not enoughness, then I would look around through the glasses of not enoughness, and I would find my evidence for not enoughness. Ooh. And, you know, once I see that that not enoughness isn't, true and I'm not looking through those glasses anymore, then I can see through the glasses of gratitude or through the glasses of, you know, what we were talking about before, like, you know, seeing your, your ability, seeing the truth of yourself, which is God, um, and you in the likely, in the likeness of God and the perfection, right? I, I say this, uh, intention, actually, I'm doing this intention thing right now. I, I often, I often give myself these little challenges and I just make them up. And I'm I'm doing an intention challenge, and actually I can read it to you right now. Let me just move please, please. over here because I have it written on my door. Okay, it's called Daily Magic, and this is what I'm doing right now. And I when I had my energy healing business, I gave this as homework to my clients. And whenever I give my clients homework, I do the homework too because I know whatever piece of advice I give someone else is for me. So this is the Daily Magic that I've been saying, and it starts with I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for this beautiful life. And now I want to see all the beauty that I've been missing. Please help me be present today. Help me be open and available to see the beauty, the pure, the beauty and wonder around me. Help me see my own perfection and the perfection in others. Give me a sign today that I'm on the right track 
by letting me see glimpses of love, wonder, and amazement around me. Then it ends with, how does it get any better than this? And what else is possible? And I think that describes exactly what we were talking about, um, where my past trauma is that, you know, seeing all that. And when I put that aside, what else is possible? What else can I see? And I've been doing this um, challenge where I read this every morning. And at night, I write all of the beauty and wonder that I see in the, in, in the day. And then your whole world just changes because it's all about your intention. So what am I looking for? And before, if I was looking through the eyes or through the glasses of not enoughness and I only see that, that's what I would be journaling about. But because my intention now is to see the beauty and wonder and the, and the perfectness in them and in me and da-da-da, then I'm picking those things out. It's just about perception. It's a radical amazement. I, I will actually yeah. say this. I think I'm gonna, nobody knows this, and yet I'm about ready to say it on a podcast. Um, when I uh, I have gratitude showers. I started gratitude showers about like maybe like, two years ago, and I just was going to be in the shower and say things that I'm grateful for. That's it. Yes. That's, yes. My, that's my time to be grateful. I mean, not... I do other times as well, but yeah, yeah. That being said, I want to kind of uh, I want to head over here now before we kind of close up shop because um, again, I have not had anybody in the acting field on this particular show yet. So congratulations for me at least. <laughs> so here are the questions. First of all, I saw you're a Magnolia fan. The movie, yes, yes. Tell me about so tell me about some of the movies that you've actors movies that you've loved. If you can, give me top three of each. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Okay, well, you know. Some of the best actors, like Magnolia, Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman, Uh, rest his soul, is incredible. He's an incredible actor, and he's he's one of those. And Julianne Moore is also in that film. Um, They 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 come from the school of uh, I would say Uta Hagen. I'm I'm not certain about that for sure, but it's it's about. Uh, following your your intention or following just whatever's happening in the scene, you just move with it, right? You don't have anything planned. It's it's the same with Meryl Streep. You know, they're they're moving from one thing to to a next with their impulses, hmm. right? And so that's what makes good acting, and that's what the stuff that you feel because it's truthful, right? Yeah. Um, and that's with you know what you were saying about about the being the you know that musician and. Um, that being art and, and that, and that really is that because with that energy moving and you moving with it, being in that present moment, you are expressing everything that's in that moment. Right. And that's the beauty of it. So yes, Magnolia, fantastic film. Uh, we're watching, a, I'm, I'm, I'm in this actor's studio called the International Actor's Studio and it's here in Belgrade and it's, um, ran by Adam Davenport, who's a fantastic coach and he owns the school. And on yeah. Sundays, we watch films. And they're typically around whatever we're focusing on in class. And then we get to watch um, something or look for something in the films that relates to what we are currently working on in class in our scenes. And so we've we've been watching a lot of stuff from like the 70s, the 60s, like early, you know, noir films. And I just saw one two weeks ago and it's Jane Fonda's big hit in the 70s called Clute. I've never and seen I, Clute with Donald Sutherland, I think, right? Yes. Oh, seen- my God. Donald Sutherland is like – Keith Sutherland is this, this spit, Im, spitting image of him. Yeah, it's right. crazy. I they know. look like freaking twins, man. They really do. It was, it was a trip, yeah. And he's very good. But Jane Fonda, wow. 
What a babe. And she did something in that movie, right? I think, right? Yes. Yes, she did. And she did it so, it wasn't like, you know, she's pouting her lips and trying to be sexy. Like it it wasn't about that, you know, it was really about the person and um, just living in that body of that person. Uh, She was so amazing in it. I just, I was floored by her performance. And that's what I just so love about taking this, um, being in this, in this acting school is we get to see these films that I have never, I would never think of, of, of watching. Anyway, put it on your list. Check it out. She is incredible. I'm going to add one to your list about her. If you haven't already seen it, it's called Barbarella. Oh yeah. So it's nothing like Barbarella. I I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, because her, she's so subtle in Clute. Like she, she's, she's not trying nothing. She's not putting anything on. She's like just living in the body of this woman and, uh, she, she, she's just so subtle and Barbara, Barbarella I heard is, and I haven't seen it, not subtle. No. I heard it wasn't subtle. Yeah. <laughs> not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Like we're super campy B movie. You know, we're going to, we're going to do a space movie for the kids. <laughs> it's terrible. Right. Um, but those are great too. Those campy movies are, are really interesting in their own way. Uh, which I'm oh. actually now just starting to really appreciate now that we're watching more of them. Um, but uh, gosh, there's, there's so many great actors that have been around with us for like, feels like a lifetime, you know, that we can still keep watching that we're so grateful or I'm so grateful that I still get to watch these, some of these like, well, speaking of grateful, I have been incredibly grateful that I get to do, uh, the show with you. My God, what a conversation. Thank you. Yeah. You, you're magnificent. Thank you. And as are you, let's just do the (laughs) That's we're both equally awesome. How about that? Hooray for us! Okay, hip hooray hip hooray! But before I close out, so I want to ask you this because this did kind of strike my mind. If you can pick out one thing, what was the, or at least if you can remember, at least even even recently, what's the one piece of art that has really kind of motivated you? I, I know I kind of asked this question earlier because it was about the past and the childhood. One piece of art that's really motivated me. Well, I just started diving. And I'm talking about diving off a diving board, diving like in a pool. Oh, wow. And I've, I, you know, I've watched divers lots and how they move their bodies. And I mean, it's beautiful. It's art. Right. I just started doing it and I've taken two classes so far. <laughs> so I'm an expert right. and I'm in love. I am so in love with it. There's this, there's this beauty and flow and also the safeness of the water, like my the, the the girl that I go with, uh, even in English, she's a fantastic woman. Uh, she's she has she runs the art department actually for the production company here in Serbia, and a, she's a, a dear friend. And she was explaining to me about the diving, and she had been diving for many many years. And you know, she was like, you know, no matter what, no matter how you leave this surface, you're always just going to end up in the water. You're safe. There's nowhere else you can go. You can't hurt yourself. You know, it's like you're supported. You're there. And it was it was like an eye opener to me. Like, huh, yeah, there's really nothing to fear here. And they even got me jumping off the three meter on the second day. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was scared of heights and I had been no problem. And that the peacefulness of being in the water, the the ability to just jump jump in literally into the sport and do it. I I feel so inspired and I just can't wait to keep going. So and, I would say that art. Is and you get to be safe that right now. You get to that. What a great metaphor, right? 
you dive off into the water, you're fine. Yeah. You're safe. Yeah. Always. It's right there to grab you. <laughs> That's in, what a great, great, great way of looking at it. I got to say also, your glasses of, uh, of no, wasn't nothingness. It was glasses of. Well, it just depends what, what glasses you're looking through. So not enoughness. Not enough. Or, yeah, no. You know, it could be um, insecurity or it could be a lack of love or, you know, um, stupid. You could be looking through the eyes of stupid and that's brutal. Everywhere you look, you're like, that guy thinks I'm stupid that, you know, and it's like nobody thinks you're stupid but you. <laughs> I, I, I may start a band, like some art damaged punk rock band called the Glasses of uh, Not Enoughness. There you go. Glasses of Not Enoughness. Great conversation. Thank you so much. So we're going to do uh, one little thing, kind of a closing little uh, shtick that I uh, do that is going to be you and I are going to say goodbye to each other. We're going to act saying goodbye. Then I'm going to hang up or at least stop recording, I should say. We're going to talk afterwards. It's an official goodbye. But the audience won't know that. So we're going to officially say goodbye now with acting. Big skills. Go deep if you have to. Okay? Okay. Okay. I'll try. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Mercedes, what a fantastic conversation. Honestly, really wonderful spirituality. I cannot wait. I would love to go to Serbia sometime. My goodness. So honestly, thank you so much. And that's your turn to act and scene. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Please come visit us in Serbia anytime. You'd love it. There's lots going on here. Great food, great people, great art. Uh, And I hope to talk to you again soon. That was Oscar Award ready. Thank you so much. Thank you. And click.